0: This is Mad Dog.
1: Enemy contact. Enemy contact. Prepare for Sit Rep. Over. Mad Dog 6. This is voice 6. Go ahead. Over. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sit Rep Modern Miniature War Gaming Podcast. I am at the sand table with all of your awesome hosts. This is G, and joining us tonight, we have Chris, Ralph. Hello, everybody. Hello there. And Jim.
2: Good afternoon, everyone.
1: So, it, we apologize for the long pause between our Veterans Day special and this episode. I know we're going to be releasing this one a day later than typically. Um, us here in the U.S., and even Ralph uh we've been celebrating our Thanksgiving, and so it's been a crazy hectic uh week. A lot of people do a lot of traveling. I know Jim, you traveled to see your dad, I believe wasn't it
2: uh yeah that's correct
1: so and I know I had a house full of people, so it's it's a big busy time here it's a kind of the unofficial official start of the holiday season um here in the United States so not much got done for me um so we'll just kind of walk into some of the things, you know, try and catch everybody up. So Chris, what have you been up to recently?
3: Uh, waiting for mail. <laughs> We've had a postal <laughs> strike here. Um, so I had mentioned a couple of episodes back that I was waiting for some miniatures from Spectre. I got the miniatures yesterday. I ordered them about a month ago and that's not Spectre's fault. That's Canada Post's fault because they decided to go on rotating strikes here. But uh, I did manage to get my very first Spectre miniatures. Um, I've got, uh, what did I get? I got the African Warlord miniature. I got a Mina uh, LMG, which is a PKM machine gun. And I'm putting that on a pintle mount in the back of one of my UAZ Jeeps that I 3D printed. And then I got my very first Tier 1 operators from uh, Spectre, and I'll be ordering some more. I just, want, I just wanted to see what they look like. I'm trying to order a little bit from everybody just to get a good idea of what everybody's quality of miniatures, and these are, these are pretty amazing, actually. So the next order is Empress. So I'll be getting some Empress miniatures, um, and I'm going to be getting some of their universal modern miniatures to use as Ukrainian soldiers.
1: Nice. Have you Uh, had any of the Empress miniatures before? Because I'm kind of curious about them myself.
3: I've had um, some of their other historical miniatures, but not any of their modern range. So this will be my first uh, examples of their modern range. But their historical, like their Zulu War stuff, it's amazing.
1: Oh, you do not need to tell me that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice. Really nice. So, yeah, that's about it. I got my part from my printer yesterday as well. So hopefully I'll have that fixed this weekend too.
0: Fantastic.
3: That's it for me for modern.
0: How about you, Ralph? Um, I dug my airbrush out that I got last Christmas to finally use it and primed the little bird. So the body of the little bird miniature that I've been working on It's okay. a terrain piece. So that got primed. It didn't actually get primed. I just sprayed it straight on onto the thing. I did a black base, and then I went over the top with a black-gray to to give it just that that coloured sheen. In the interior I painted gray, so I'm going to go in with some just some paints on a brush to paint the figures up, and then I'm going to start building the seats out for the sides. Nice. And then put it together with a magnet on the base, onto those magnetized bases that have been that are built out. Um, So hopefully within the next, I would say two weeks because of work and and things, I should hopefully get one of my little birds finished. To take a break from that, I've been painting up, finish off painting up a four man, four of my tier ones that I got a fictional force name for. um, They're they're called AFO Werewolf, which is just a small um, attack force. It's probably going to be two groups of four. Um, but this was a group of four Spectre Task Force minis with the military dog. So it's got a furry hand grenade ready, you know, to, to have fun with the enemy.
1: Sweet. Didn't you uh, get something else in the mail here recently from Spectre? From...
0: Would that be the Black, which we'll talk about in a bit, the Black Powder Red Earth yeah. minis, which are absolutely amazing.
1: <laughs> awesome. So we'll talk about I those in a little bit of detail. Yeah. So, Jim, how about you?
2: I feel very sad. <laughs> I have no miniatures. I have been doing a lot of wargaming, though. Uh, but my, my hobby table is my computer. So what we've been doing lately is we've been experimenting with using web conferencing as a uh, remote wargaming tool with uh, members of the on-tabletop Beasts of War community. Uh, so some of these battles have been in the modern era, depending on how you define modern era. So we started off with uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, some of you may remember from the uh, uh, from some of the boot camps. We started off with him um, trying a game of 1943 Panzer Leader in uh, Tunisia, nice. uh, British versus uh, yeah British. His British versus my my Germans. Uh, that was an e campaign um, given uh, Andrew's uh, background. I, I built a scenario just for him where uh, he had a battalion, so about 600 troops. It's a platoon-based game. So every piece on the on the table is uh, you know a uh, a uh, a platoon. So his battalion had seized a uh, a, a bridge over a, a a deep body that cannot be crossed except by a bridge. So he's got like 600 men trying to hold this bridge and some bridging engineers. Um, so that's fine. Here comes a German uh, Schützen battalion that's about 600 grenadiers and uh, a conflict boat led by a platoon of five Tigers and about you know. 60 or 70 other tanks and assault guns he's got big problems he's not going to be able to hold he's got a uh, battalion of dragoons coming up so that's going to be a crusader three battle tanks he had 15 of those and um 30 sherman's uh the m4a2s uh coming up behind him uh to kind of reinforce him any platoon of five valentine bridge layers so his his mission was to hold that bridge as long as he could i was trying to take the bridge and blow it up if i could and uh, basically, I got 20 points for every bridge I knocked down or blew up, and he got every uh, he got 20 points for every bridge that remained standing at the end of the game. Wow! So one bridge got blown up. He got that Valentine bridge layer across the table, and we were able to do all of this in real time with webcams, with audio, and a shared desktop where I have an electronic game board. I mean, you know how Panzer of the Year's played. It's X it's, it's, it's Encounter, you know, 1977 Avalon yeah. uh, Hill game. But I've come up with an, an electronic version of that uh, that I've designed where, you know, I can share my desktop with people and they take control of my desktop briefly and they can, like, you know, move their own pieces around, you know, be rolled ice, spectators, uh, and a great time. The next day, we followed it up with some modern war gaming in the 1956 uh, Sinai War between uh, Israel and Egypt. November 2nd, 1956. We did the largest tank battle of that war. That's the Pass of Mirkif Gaffa, November 2nd, 1956. Uh, we can talk more about that later. And uh, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're going to expand that to Dark Star. That's the sci-fi tactical uh, Starship combat game.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, we're doing that tomorrow. We have about 12 spectators lined up for that. Uh, I'm gonna have to start my own Twitch channel here pretty soon. The way the way things are going, <laughs> uh, I'm actually I'm actually kind of serious about that.
0: Yeah, there you go. And uh, uh, that's a good idea, actually.
2: What's happening Sunday is some more moderns. Uh, I'm taking Arab-Israeli Wars. That's basically like the grandchild of uh, the Panzer Blitz, Panzer Leader series uh, from Avalon Hill. Later in the '70s, it came out Arab-Israeli Wars. So we're doing a scenario from. Um, uh, from 1967, where we're bringing it forward one, uh, one, one step, so to speak. And we're doing uh, the uh, Israelis' uh, 7th Armored Brigade's first assault into Khan Yunus. So that's in the Gaza Strip. We're looking at chieftains and M48A2s, uh, that's 82nd and 77th Armored Brigade. One of the company commanders in there was a guy who, at the time, his, his yeah, he was a captain. That's Captain Abregur Kahalani. He became very famous in the next war, 1973 when he commanded the 77th Armored Brigade, uh, I'm sorry, 77th Armored Battalion at the Golan Heights. uh, He's the guy who named the Valley of Tears from the 1973 war. He wrote um, a fantastic book um, after the war called The Heights of Courage. I highly recommend this book to anyone who is interested in modern mechanized combat. It's 1973, it's still the best tank commander book ever written. Uh, This guy is the real deal. He's everything Patton, Rommel, Bronte ever wished they were, you know, times 10. He's the real deal. He later became a brigadier general in the 82 um, Peace for Galilee invasion. And, uh, you know, things didn't go so well for him there. But um, he's still, like, one of Israel's uh, all-time military heroes. So we kind uh, of—we're going to be channeling him a little bit on Sunday. Um, He's going to command one of the uh, Israeli tank— companies in our battalion uh that's uh damon uh, from the website is going to be playing the israelis in that game i'm going to see if i can stop him with my uh pla palestine liberation army and some uh some egyptian army on the opening day of the six day of war nice. so no miniatures but uh we have definitely been doing some uh some modern wargaming oh, yeah,
0: definitely cool. there's um i don't know if you've seen it jim i don't know if you're on facebook but on the specter operations wargaming I don't know if Chris and G saw it, saw the Kyle St. Peter post about using tabletop simulator. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So what he did was he got tabletop simulator. It's on Steam. It lets you simulate any board game. And there's a lot of modules and things for different games. He simulated uh, Spectre. Okay. So he got some miniatures. So he's got actual digital miniatures, some 3D buildings because it's on a 3D plane. Mm -hmm. and he and it's got dice rolling and everything in it and he basically created something to test the specter rules you know as a solo player but it does let you technically host games because i've seen a couple of streamers use it for doing board games the did, i think battles galactica and things like that so the actual proper board Mm -hmm. games themselves but in tabletop simulator so how? that might be something to look at for a point of view of doing miniature on miniature, because the people mentioned here that they've used it for Warhammer and things like okay. that. Huh.
2: Um, how, how easy is it for you to write your own games for that? Or do you have to use one of the metrics
0: uh, that they provide? Well, uh, I'm assuming it's because it's a tabletop simulator. You're not, you are writing uh, or using the dice, and you're just dropping in the objects. So, so there are some set ones, but it is a blank slate from what I can okay. see, and you would just drop in, say, a map, and then have the counters and things like that. But it's done in 3D, so you can zoom in and zoom out and rotate around. So it would be almost like playing an RTS, but you're actually playing a tabletop game where you can zoom in, zoom out, rotate around and things like that.
2: We can definitely do all that, we just don't do it in 3D.
0: Yeah, this is this is three D, which is interesting from a point of view of miniatures.
2: Okay. Mm. Um. We yeah. We just. I just have to find out how customizable it was because Mm -hmm. people have often asked me about Vassal, like why I don't use Vassal. And um, frankly, Vassal is you know. I mean, Vassal's got a lot of great games on it, but you have to use the game as it comes. I mean, as far as changing, you know, writing your own scenarios, changing the game because everything the game gets wrong. You know, all games can get a lot wrong. I mean, all games get something wrong. Um, I'm not a guy that buys a game and takes it home and says, I can't wait to play this. I'm a guy that either writes my own game or buys a game and says, I can't wait to use this to build something new as like a baseline or something. So there's going to be like, I'd spend my lunch break today. Uh, retooling all my Egyptian armor for Arab israeli wars. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's still broken in some areas. So I still have to go in there. I have to make a new, new, you know, they just made the Egyptian tanks way too weak. Well, they did. They took the 1943 uh, from Panzer Blitz, because it's mostly Russian armor from World War II. They took all that stuff, uh, which is already too... too weak, in my opinion. They, they really cut the Russians, um, you know, they made them way too, I don't, I don't know how the Germans lost that war, or as weak as they made their their Russian units. And then they divided everything in half, so the Egyptian units in 1956, 67, uh, and 73 in that game were just a joke. So anyway, we're, we're retooling that, so that would be difficult to do in Vassal. I don't
0: know how I, I would have to
2: research uh, Tabletop Simulator,
0: which I will um, just putting some links in for you there jim so you can have a look i totally see them
2: coming across i will look into this because this the, the solution we have now is great it's becoming almost too popular like I, I i don't know how many people this is not twitch i don't know how many yeah. people i can host into this there is a limit and i don't know how stable it's going to be or if it really takes off which it's it's taken off man i mean this is a. <laughs> This is becoming almost more than I can handle. I'm gonna have to find some more, uh, some more expandable. uh, I mean, just for spectators. Our our Dark Star game tomorrow, we have uh, twelve. We have one person that wants to play. He's been waiting very patiently for about six months. So I finally got. uh, Seriously, so I finally got all this tech stuff figured out. And um, yeah, we have like twelve people lined up that want to watch this. They just want to sit there and watch. So. yeah, I don't know, you know how how much further I can push the solution I have in hand.
0: I'm going to be in the market for a new one pretty pretty shortly. What's interesting, I'm just looking on Steam at that tabletop simulator, and one of the top games at the very top is Zombie <laughs> Okay. So they've done t- it's it's a pack, so it looks like it's a pack, down, downloadable pack for. So you buy Tabletop Simulator and you download the pack, and they've made Zombie Side, which is six ninety nine for tabletop simulator so you know from what i've read there um from the websites and the links i've just posted for you there is you can make any game you want so it's entirely up to you what you're making just these packs are extra and there's community patches where i think uh where he said he got the, the miniatures from where kyle got the miniatures from and the buildings and they must have been free, so you know who's got Adobe and the in the image he posted up. It's a, like a Middle Eastern village, so there's some Adobe buildings and miniatures on either side. So
2: Nice. So nice. I only have I only have one more question on that on that mm-hmm. front. Seriously. Uh when are you hosting your first game?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I like yeah. yeah. Let's do it, huh? Computer.
2: I'm, I'm on command tactical. I'm on, you know, tank brigades, you know, whole battalions and par- Israeli paratroopers. If you want to run something tactical in 3D, um, I, I, I would probably sign up for that.
1: Well, that sounds like what we I've have a for Ralph, huh? I've
0: got some other things planned as well, so <laughs> something to talk about a bit later. But It might be something I do maybe next year, but it's depending on my time because where my where I work, uh, my work's starting to pick up now because we're starting to look at um, virtual reality and three D modeling and three D characters for education because I work in the university, so that's my next big thing at work. So, so my time could, my time might be spread a lot thinner than okay. what i normally doing. So what I'm be.
1: hearing, I think Jim is he's saying, um, I think this is Maybe. your job.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <'cause>, um, <laughs> I I am not a sergeant lieutenant or captain gamer. I, I am a <laughs> lieutenant colonel brigadier general
0: guy. I'm, it might be I, something that we we look at as a you know from a community point of view and getting people involved. It, it sounds like yeah that we can uh, do. You know, I can tell just,
2: you this much: and, between between the the role playing game that Jerry is running on Discord that's yeah. taking off, and now three simultaneous campaigns I have going: Panzer Leader, Arabist, Roy Wars, and tomorrow the big one, Darkstar. The, the people on the community are ready for it yeah they are yeah really star are looks so, good,
0: it. Yeah, so all,
2: look uh, good i already
0: i already play in well i run a star wars rpg game on discord with roll 20. Okay. and the same the same group is the group that i play D with on discord as well but because the GM is you know when the GM's not around to run D and D, I step in and run Star Wars. It's oh, just, I have been anyway.
2: It's, it's, it's old old game? Yeah, I. Uh, I went, that's the the old D six. Yeah, yeah, that's the good
0: one. That's the good one. So, I played that back in the day. So, um, but I I use roll Twenty Four, um, role playing, which is really good because it's got all the dice rolling in and character sheets and things like that. And we use Discord because it's free. Yeah. yeah. Nice.
1: Um, just to close out, so like I said, we did uh, Thanksgiving here, and uh, I know it's probably going to get me in trouble, and they might revoke my Wargamer card, uh, <laughs> but uh, I uh, vowed not to start any new projects until I uh, clear my project table up a little bit. <laughs> 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 Why is everybody laughing? I just don't understand.
0: Um, That's it, the way to do it. Lots of
2: <laughs>
1: it's, uh, I mean, I have two rooms full of stuff that need to be uh, worked on, and somehow... You know, I've ordered some more Napoleonic stuff, and um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, lastly, to round Napoleonics? up. What, I what,
2: know. Do do, what do you do with Napoleonics? We still have American Civil War. Uh, I know,
1: doing. but I can't help it. It's, it looks
2: cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's okay. why I said no more, no mas. So uh, there you, go. you know. Yeah,
0: right. Don't that. No,
1: no. I got to finish my <laughs> boat from uh, SASM. I uh, get that riverine boat done. And then I'll move on to the Civil War stuff. And uh, so lastly, to finish out this break we've had over these last couple of weeks, I had to go to the range and qualify with my duty weapon. Um, So some of you may not know, I'm also a part-time police officer. So I had to... And it was kind of eye-opening because I haven't had to qualify in a while because I'm just getting back into it. And I had to go through failure drills, and it was like being in the military all over again, you know, going through (laughs) failure drills. And it just kind of reminded me of how do you translate that into some of the rule sets in modern miniature gaming? You know, cause you can have weapons malfunctions and how do you role play that or play it into the rule sets, you know, on some of these skirmish games, obviously on tactical strategic, it's, you know, at the bigger scale. You can't really have it, but when you get down to skirmish, um, oh, yeah. you could definitely put it in there, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I own a, one of the most reliable handguns in the world. And I was having, uh, having jams uh for whatever reason i don't know so we had to go through a lot of uh, failure drills so it can happen no matter what the weapon is so that's what i did over that so moving into news who would like to go first Um, go ahead
0: I, 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 i mean there's there's quite a bit i've noticed over the past couple of weeks so Starting off was, of course, last week and this week. Spectre did two releases. Last week, I think, would be probably classed as one of the bigger ones where they did they, they drop their minis from the joint project they're doing with Black Powder Red Earth. Um, for our listeners who don't know what Black Powder Red Earth is, it's a um, collection. It's a comic book, a graphic novel series, and Spectre have signed up with these guys to do in partnership, So they're creating minis. But they're also going to be creating a board game from what I can understand. And uh, Black Powder Reddit are looking at doing a PC game or a game in eight, sort of 8-bit style graphics. So it's like the old 8-bit games. Um, but Spectre dropped the minis, the six, it's a six-pack of special operators um, based around the Cold Harbor, which is their PMC inside of the comic book series, if I get that right, if I remember correctly. And they come with optics. So normally with Spectre, with their minis, you don't get the optics. You have to buy the optics separately. So whether that's the, the quad, the dual, or the, um smart sight, as it's called, um they come with them inside the pack. And they are probably the best minis I've seen Stephen sculpt. They are absolutely stunning. They really are an absolute, well worth the cost. I think they are. I think it's £20 for the six. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, they are really some of the best minis. They're all um, carrying modified, like, M4s or carrying um, assault weapons. There's no heavy weapons or support weapons in the 6. It's just a 6 pack of assaulters. Um, Andy Zach on the Spec Operations Facebook group has been posting pictures as he's starting to paint them. And it's like, Andy, just stop it. I give up. (laughs) Andy's like that. Just, just, yeah, yeah. Take my minis, please. That type of thing um this today they dropped two minis as well they dropped a female they have a set called task force nomad yeah. which is the um sort of the, the special ops in native clothing um so they dropped a female operator today for it uh carrying a suppressed pistol uh, and they dropped a cqb fsb russian as well today um, they would they were dropped today on the Spectres list as well.
3: Ralph, did I see that that the not the female but the other miniature with the Belaclava
0: has something to like a fifty? Is he um, a 50? all of the FSB? If you look at the description on yeah. the on the website from the miniatures, it's all the Russian FSB that they've, that they've done this with. Um, all of the Russian FSB have the the the. I have 50 caliber assault weapons. So the FSB kill team, all of them are running 50 cal. Wait a minute, assault, assault weapons?
2: weapons? <laughs> what? Uh, uh, yes.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. Now, what you've got to remember about Spectre as well is Matt does all the research is actually accurate. So these weapons do exist. It's the ASH-12 heavy caliber ball pulp assault weapon. Is what they're carrying, or the SH AK 12. Whoa. Uh, these are 50 caliber assault weapons.
2: That's got to be a was, cut down cartridge or something, man. That's got uh, yeah,
3: you know, to be, I, I used to pack around a Modus, and I, yeah, I can't yeah, imagine you know, it's firing like a, a, a like full
1: that. size 50 cal. It's got to be the uh, shortened cartridge, almost like a Desert Eagle, mm-hmm. you know, in that, yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
0: but still. That's scary. But still,
1: can you imagine the recoil on a fifty kill assault weapon? That's
0: what the suppressors are for as well, is to give them that balance. Supposedly, <laughs> because when you look at the weapon as well, the assault weapon, it's a bull pump. So yep. it's a bull pump with assault weapons, so the magazines and the shoulder stock. Um, help, help, help. <laughs> oh.
3: uh
1: I don't care how wet you have on You the recoil off of fifty mm-hmm. no matter what. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, wow. it's a, it's the it's a, yeah, it's the same type of weapon as well. The body cover guy is carrying a fifty cal. So oh my.
1: I'm gonna give an observation. Assault weapon fifty cal is not your friendly <laughs> neighborhood fighting weapon because it's gonna go through the no. bad guy, the house behind him, the car and behind him. And then another bad guy. You know I I can't imagine shall, shall we, CQB what? with that kind of weapon.
0: I mean, they, in, I was going to say, let's put it in another perspective. We are talking about the FSB.
2: <laughs> they don't really yeah. care,
0: do they? No.
2: And on, on the one hand, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to matter a little bit, like what the grain loads of those fifty caliber, you know, pistols are going to, or fifty caliber um, bolts are going to be. Um, you could probably have a manageable. Obviously, somebody has. You could yeah. probably have a manageable fifty caliber automatic weapon. Um, and again, not all assault weapons are fully automatic. Um, That's true. You know, so I, maybe, maybe it has like a three-round burst or something. Or and, and again, people have had ever since the HK cause came out and uh, the uh, in the mid '80s, yeah. followed by the USAS 12 and the daewoo 12. You've had 12, 12-gauge like fully automatic assault shotguns, which mm-hmm. I would much rather have in close quarter combat if I was unfortunate enough to be in close quarter mm-hmm. combat, but. Again, I don't think those are full loads. I wouldn't picture firing like twelve ground or twelve gauge slug out of those things. That would definitely be at least you know some sort of you know pellet or shot or something like that.
0: Uh, I've just sent a link to what it actually is in real life. Cool. <laughs> you learned something the other day. It's like it's scary, but yes, they 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 are carrying fifty cal assault weapons. Oh, um, they are nice minis as well. Actually, the FSB assault team is really nice. I didn't get the FSB assault team, but I did get the Russian Spetsnaz. Um, which one is it? The urban one. It's the the pack of it's the GI the Spetsnaz SSO squad with the I got the Spetsnaz Alpha sniper and the SSO MG, which is the guy with the backpack carrying the. It must be is it a peak here? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a PKM medium machine gun with the Scorpion ammunition backpack. <laughs> Jeez. Well, these, yeah.
2: these guys are playing
0: around, i tell you that no. much. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um the other thing as well that dropped on the Modern Miniatures not the Modern Miniatures on the yeah, on the Modern Miniatures gaming forum on Facebook was Cold uh under fire Miniatures. Uh-huh. So off the, yeah. Uh 28mm cold. Wall. U.S., which looked really nice. And that goes in with their other sets of Cold War. They've got Cold War, East German, German, West German, American and Russian on their websites, all in 28mm. Nice. Which is a nice nice, nice set of pop-up. Well, and then... the other thing I noticed as well, the other thing as well, which can go in when, uh, when we talk, when we go to the topics about when does modern gaming start, Bolt Action next year are dropping a Korean War source book.
1: What? How did I yeah.
0: guess that one? I saw it. It's about, yeah, it, it was announced as uh, someone on the Bolt Action forums posted up a French, I think it was French uh, Amazon or one of them about six months ago showing this off, but there was no date. The UK and possibly the American one now has a date and it's August next year. They're dropping a Korean source book. All
1: right. When are we going to see Vietnam? Come on.
0: Hold on.
2: <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I was talking with Charlie at the bolt action boot camp. Mm-hmm. And um, he had seen where I had taken a world war two squad based game that people are familiar with. That's Valor and victory and updated it to Vietnam in, um, in the way uh, city 50th. I'm sorry. The, uh Ted offensive fiftieth yeah. anniversary series we did earlier uh, earlier in the year. So needless to say, we started talking about how we could take another squad based World War II campaign, <laughs> <it's really> popular <laughs> action and yeah. pretend, you know potential. Now obviously, I speak hex encounters; he speaks miniatures. That's two different languages. Nevertheless, we're taking the same journey. And I have been down that journey, and I know where all the landmines are. I know where all the tripwires are. I know you know, where all the blind spots are. I know every single problem he's going to run into because um, I've done it myself. I've, I've published the results. Um, this, uh, Viet, I'm sorry, this uh, Korea thing sounds like a staircase. You know, they're, they're, they're building into it. Mm-hmm. To yeah. make a jump from World War II to Korea is not uh, terribly... Uh, no. You know, it's, it's just not. It's actually not a big thing at all. Um, it's practically World War II, the sequel, but or World War II, the the, the post credit sequence, right? <laughs> uh, but it is um, it is a step, and I, I I I don't know I I don't pretend to like have uh you know insider knowledge or anything. I don't know what's going on in World War games or anything like that. Just a quickly you know disclaimer that, but um, there have been discussions. I can confirm that because I've been in them. Nice. And uh, we may be uh, circling back to that uh, to, I don't know, like work as a consultant or give some kind of, uh, you know, even if in an unofficial capacity, hey, look, these are the things you guys are going to run into when you try to take a World War II system or a system that's popular for World War II and and move it into Vietnam. You're going to have to worry about civilians. You're going to have to make civilian miniatures. You're going to have to introduce casualty evacuation rules. You're going to have to worry about everyone walking around with basically a light machine gun,
0: yeah,
2: not a submachine gun like they do in World War II. In, World war, in Vietnam, they have a light machine i.e. an assault rifle, AKMs or M-16s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's before you even get into helicopters. You're going to have to come up with some kind of hidden movement system.
3: Yeah. And you're going to have
2: to yeah. come up with a real, real difference between, and this, goes, this, is, this is the bread and butter of modern war you do not see in World War II. If you want to look at like the basic fundamental differences between World War II and modern gaming, you need uh, any kind of a modern game system. You need a real way to handle the difference between a regular and an irregular force. You need asymmetric warfare. You need non-kinetic warfare. It's it's not two forces meet, point up your list, and have at it. You know, glory to the last man standing. It's, it's a serious... Uh, it's tricky math you know and the players have to understand that and the game designers have to go into that with their eyes wide open so i certainly wish them luck they do have their work cut out for them and uh there have been discussions
0: i think as well as the korean war as a stepping stone for say evacuation and helicopter
1: helicopters yeah can
0: (laughs) can start with the korean war because you had the mass units using helicopters to evacuate troops And they did start using some insertion with helicopters. Mm -hmm. But I think also, I think France was doing it roughly a little bit later when when France was in Indochina. I think they were using those as well. So Mm -hmm. so Korea is probably a good starting point. I think the other thing as well is it lets them get used to, say, doing uh, for fast attack aircraft because they were starting to use jets more in Korea, weren't they for bombing runs and things like that. So to take that into consideration for anti-aircraft fire and things like that. So it's probably going to give them that way of looking at their mechanics on how they can start dealing with more advanced technology. But the bread and butter of having a soldier with a rifle is still going to be what it was back in World War II,
2: 1945. Oh yeah, it's know, standard
0: down to It's all the same equipment, man. So... So, but it gives them the, boat, the 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 tools to start looking at some of the mechanics that will then lead into doing probably Vietnam, oh, yeah. and then we'll see what see what Warlord do. The thing that's got me interested is, is tuning their plastics. So you know you've got your see your Marines, um, you could technically still use the World War Two Marine minis with a little bit of tweaking and just tune them with different weapons. You know, so instead of carrying, instead what are of talking carrying, about for for Korea or for Vietnam, well, for both really, I would have thought. Uh, oh, for yeah. Vietnam,
2: it's going to get tough.
0: Yeah, um, it changes. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: gotta, Korea's but, the easiest one because it's going to oh, be absolutely. no tuning. I think. For, you
2: change know, your M1 Garands to the M1 Garand like carbines, and and you're set. Uh, yeah, maybe change some of the loadouts. Like there's more there's more thirty caliber machine guns per. Platoon, than there would have been in world war ii but it's basically the same yeah. once you get into korea you've got i'm sorry once you get into vietnam you've got uh you've got i mean body armor i mean you can get away with it like at like 15 mil but once you get up into 28 mil the miniature especially war miniatures, are so detailed and so you know they're they're so awesome anyway it's going to be tough you can probably get away with a little bit of it in painting but even if yeah. you do i mean where are you where are you going to get your um uh, your your NBA or your or your you Not know true. Your and stuff
0: like that. Yeah, that's going to be the ones that we'll need to to probably tool more for, um, you know, from the point of view of creating them and and chilling out the minis. But I think you know there's a, a code, well, code, as well as I know and I'm on the group for this is there is a unofficial rule set for bolt action in Vietnam. Um, that's on there's a Facebook group for it. Um, that somebody's created the rules for bolt action vietnam and i know there's uh bolt action modern as well that somebody created a set of you know based off the bolt action one mm-hmm. so there is so there are people out there doing it it's just oh yeah you know people people keep asking warlord and it was on the forums and you see it there's you know it's bolt action modern
2: bolt, bolt action oh. modern is conceivably very easy it depends on whether or not you're doing like a realistic modern you know mm-hmm. uh us versus um, or British, uh, or anybody really, versus like Afghans or something in, in you know, that's one thing. That's going to be very, very tough. But if you're doing it in a theoretical sense, like, like a Team Yankee type scenario, then it becomes very easy. It's not the weapons, it's the different kinds of armies. you got those, those asymmetrical, uh, regular versus irregular armies. Um, like, you know, a, a Team Yankee type of scenario, you know, the, the Russians and the Americans going at it in Western Germany, is going to be Pretty much just pretty much bring more dice, you know, um, and get a bigger table. But to do anything as far as even back back into the 50s, if you try to use like the French in Algeria, the French mm-hmm. in China or the Americans, you know, in, in early parts of Vietnam. Now it's asymmetrical. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't don't be fooled by the years. It's, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that in yeah. action um, than uh, than, you know, the other option.
1: All right. So I'm sitting here thinking about Vietnam. And the idea of (laughs) to be able to do some aid teams, you know, and and, uh, and the Viet Cong and your Montagnards, the Delta,
0: the Highlands. Seriously, spec operations rule set. They have said that on uh, both Stephen and Matt have said that spec is easy enough to, shall we say, tool for different periods because I was looking at it from. There's a bunch of PC games called Commandos. I don't know if anybody remembers the the RDoS games where you controlled a small unit of of specialists. You know, you had like a spy and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you could retool that to being, say, a group of six British Commandos, you know, who are infiltrating a Russian submarine, uh, sorry, a German submarine base or whatever. Um, so, you know, tooling Spectre to do that because the rules of Spectre give you patrolling and stealth, and you know all of the things that you would use in that type of thing but then you could then move them more towards doing seals udts in the mekon delta striking at bases across the border in you know in laos and cambodia and things as well so that rule set, it's just finding the minis really and there's a lot of companies out there do uh, vietnam minis um assault group i've got a bunch of assault group um, US special forces from Vietnam and they, they're 28 mil and they look really good.
2: For our 50th anniversary series we did the Battle of Long Ve so that's 6 mm-hmm. February 1968 I got 12 that's Charlie Company 5th special forces group I'm sorry special, special operations group um, where most of the actual uh, special forces action really took place and that's in the north that's way up by where the Marines were all along you know the Rock Pile Camp Carroll um, Kanto, all those places up around there, uh, extending out toward Wake City by the coast. And it's where North, South Cor- Korea... Korea, Jesus. I mean, North and South Vietnam... <laughs> sorry about that. North and South Vietnam and Laos all meet. And that's, of course, where the, the Ho Chi Minh Trail is trying to get into South Vietnam, you know, from North Vietnam. And the Tet they hit that area. So that's one of the only... To- you yeah, see, there's a grand total, I think, historically, I think there's 12 um, Green Berets... Uh, the system we used was force-on-force. Force. Of course, we cranked up uh, our Americans as absolutely high as we possibly could. These are Green Berets, after all. So we made them the full, like, D12, and we maxed them out as far as the game would take them or whatever. And I just piled up. Uh, there was only the, it's just about the only time uh, People's Army of North Vietnam ever used armor in the field against Americans. They had what they called a battalion, which so was really only, like like, 11 or 12 tanks. I think only like six of them actually made it to the base uh, by PT-76 amphibious tanks. So these guys are getting overrun by, I bought every single uh, NVA NVC piece I had, or not piece, uh, miniatures. I actually did this in the The results are on the website. Um, and just pretty much attacked them from all sides. And uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Green Berets, I'm pretty sure did lose that game, but uh, only barely. Because, you know, we, they had bunkers and all kinds of machine guns and stuff like that. mountain Montegaard, Guards were there. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on. And then what, historically what wound up happening was they wound up getting... Uh, they had to evacuate the base, and their evacuation was covered by a massive strike of those A1, uh, of AH-1 Sky Raiders that you see in some of those movies. So we did that on, like, turn 12 or something like that. I can't remember exactly. I have to look it up in the article. Um, but, yeah, World War, uh, but Vietnam... We, we've done it. We've done it in miniature. Uh, it is possible. Um, we used force on force. Force on force worked great. The only problem we had with force on force was I found, and, and you know others may disagree, force on force doesn't scale terribly well up into like larger battles. It's great for like squads, maybe an understrength platoon, but once you start talking about really big battles like Long Bay, or we also did some battles like at Caseon and. Where else? Hawaii uh, City, and you know all those big Marine Corps battles up there along the DMZ. Where, so um, yeah, the game started to show its cracks a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely doable. Uh, we've done it, and we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, how well you could use other game systems for that, I honestly can't speak to that. But uh, a World War II game would would present some challenges.
0: Hmm. That's my pieces of news, anyway. <laughs>
1: Chris, you got anything for news
0: for this week? Uh, this
3: week, I don't, surprisingly enough. um, I had seen the um, the Cold War miniatures that Ralph had been talking about. They'll also work for Canadians for the late 80s, because <laughs> we were still using those steel helmets. Were you? Oh, yeah, we used them till I think we started getting rid of them around. Well, we started using our UN peacekeepers started using them in the early, the Kevlar helmets in the early nineties.
2: Oh, wow. That but, late. Huh?
3: That,
2: oh, yeah. Man. We're talking about the old, like the K I mean. the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. pot. And yep. then so
1: your steel pot. So your Vietnam yep. era steel pot. Yeah. Um, I had that in basic training in AIT. When I got to jump school, we used, that was when I got my first K pot or Kevlar. And then when I was at 82nd, we got everything new. So I got a new brand new K pot. And I had, my first was an M16 A2. So, wow, yeah. you guys had steel pots all the way up to the nineties
3: well we we still were using thirties into the eight well into the eighties <laughs> wow we we use things to death that's what well, we do I mean
1: there are days where I missed the old uh steel pot because at least you could cook in it you know yeah, yeah or wa- you know heat up water to wash up if you're in the field
3: Well, you know? we used our f n c ones our f a l s up until I think most reserve units, they were all replaced by 89. Wow. And we were, we're still using the 303 infield. So, until oh, <laughs> last
2: month. Come on. Oh, oh God. I'm not lying.
3: The Canadian Rangers, the Canadian Rangers, which is a, um kind of a paramilitary part of the canadian armed forces uh-huh. um, They they do scouting and teach uh, field skills to soldiers and stuff like that they're usually aboriginal but not always um and they are in the northern parts of canada and uh the 303 infield has just been replaced by what is it a finnish rifle uh what the heck is the uh like d- the tika a... got It got replaced by a tika and uh yeah so we've used the 303 infield um up until like a month ago and they just started getting their new rifles yeah because of the way the cold is up here you know I was just saying, that north. sounds
2: like a, a weapon uh designed for cold weather use
3: yeah the the, the 303 infield was an awesome rifle but it probably should have been replaced Uh, a while
1: which model were you guys using
3: uh which was the last one made so it was the is that model four no i can't remember i remember using one when i was in army cadets here in canada
0: yeah but it's just just yeah
3: 303 you know and uh but parts started becoming an issue and things like that and so we uh they put out a an order for a new rifle, and then the new rifle was picked a couple, few years wow. back, and they just started getting them. Wow. So we use things to death here.
2: You know? I was going to say, you are using .303s <laughs> and yeah. in, in 2018. I hesitate yeah. to ask what you guys were using in 1998.
0: Or well, 19, 19, you know... <laughs> our, our,
3: our reserve okay. artillery units are still using uh, refurbished one hundred and fives that are, you know, from the nineteen fifties. You know, they've been rebarreled and, and oh, they're still okay. being used. You know,
2: so I, I thought you were going to say like, you know, smoothbore six pounders or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nineteen eighty-eight, <1988, laughs> we fi- we finally got rid of our of our Brown Bess, you know, muskets from uh, seventeen seventy-six.
3: Yeah. Well, we were still using Dakotas. Until 86, I believe. Wow, man. F104s, we used to write up until the F18 started coming in in the mid-80s. Wow. You know, the flying coffins.
1: How about that? Yeah. You know, I always wanted to go to uh, Canada's version of jump school because it's the only jump school, at least at the time when I was in, that you would go and part of your qualifications, you had to jump out of a hot air
0: balloon.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought that would be pretty cool we
0: should, we should, uh, Zeppelin <laughs>
2: <laughs> F-104, that's the Starfighter, right? Yeah, yeah the star star old
1: Starfighter They didn't know they were still in service in the 80s Yeah, the Germans,
3: wow. were, still, the Germans were still using them as well
1: Were they in the 80s? Yeah. I guess you're right, now you th- you're looking back
3: on it The that. Greeks and the Italians as well wow. So
2: they're they're fast in a straight line.
3: Yeah. I remember
2: uh, <laughs> you know, not great
3: close air support though.
2: Well, <laughs> actually, you know, in in the '60s and '70s when those things were designed, they really thought it was going to be a lot in a straight line, especially in Canada. The yeah. whole idea of of an interceptor it wasn't even a fighter; it was an interceptor. Was how fast can you intercept the Russian bomber coming over the pole? Yeah, um, that was that was what uh, you know what they thought The next phase of air warfare was really going to be like they, I mean, it's a cheesy movie, but there's a little bit of truth in it. You know, Top Gun, they they talk about how, you know, there really is this thing called dogfighting. You have to be able to pull a turn once in a while.
1: So you know, Jim, you'd think we would have been nicer to our northern uh neighbors and given them some nicer toys to to (laughs) use. Some some
2: (laughs) old F four Wild Weasels. I know, right? At least
1: some Phantoms, huh? Especially
2: um, the way, uh, I love the way, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember back in the day, they used to do this, Canadians love to paint a fake canopy on the bottom, on the bottom. of the aircraft, I yeah. love that, that's the neatest yeah. little trick, I have no idea how effective it is, it's just <laughs> awesome.
3: Apparently it was fairly effective, we still do it.
2: No, no kidding. kidding.
3: Yeah, yeah you throw the, throw the enemy pilot off.
2: Well, yeah, it's always easier to pull up in a positive view than dive, and so you see yeah. an be on the bottom of the plane, you think he's going to pull towards you, all of a sudden he's pulling away from you, and that's it. Yeah.
3: All
1: right, so uh, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and move on to some uh, gaming topics that people would like to talk about. Ralph, do you want to go first on your... Uh...
0: Oh, oh, oh. Um, it's just well, a couple of things. One of them was um the... What seems to be now, um, I'm on a couple of the Facebook groups. I'm on, especially like Modern Miniatures Gaming. And I'm on the Twilight 2000 group. And Mm. even on Spectre and a couple of others. The Cold War Gone Hot seems to, shall we say, re-add its head again in a big way. In a massive, massive way. There seems to be a lot more companies producing for that era um, and people looking at that on and what might have been, what do people think? Yeah. Is it, is it, is it just me or is, no, does it seem I like definitely
3: I have to agree? I've seen it. Uh,
1: I think there's a big growth in modern war gaming. you know, take out the mm-hmm. ultra modern, your specter and that kind of stuff. Just you know, Cold War especially, and it, which you know leads me to another idea. I don't know if you guys heard another. Unfortunately, another smaller gaming company is closing their doors um, this week. Uh, the guys that make Panzerfaust. Um, oh. Yeah. Was there? Who was that? Um,
0: oh, the um, the orc dwarf.
1: Yes. Yeah, the fantasy, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. So they they've announced that they're going to be closing the doors. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like, you know, and this might be something to think about and discuss is, do you think, you know, a lot of people said this is the golden age of miniature wargaming or war, or gaming in general. Um, I almost kind of relate it to the tech bubble. Do you think our bubble is kind of bursting and we're seeing consolidation now of companies? Um, but on the same token, how this relates to us is I'm seeing a lot of growth in modern wargaming And a lot of consolidation in fantasy and sci-fi stuff, you know, with the Mm -hmm. loss of Hawk War Games. Granted, they got bought out or taken over by TT Combat and some other games. But it just seems like there's been a lot of consolidation outside of historical slash modern gaming.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's much moderns on the rise. I think, you know, you've got the big we, that really is the big two, isn't it? You've got, FF, I would say, FFG now are starting to gain a lot of traction, but I think that's predominantly because of the IP that they own. Oh, yeah. They got Star, Star Wars. Wars. Come on. Star Wars. It's an IP. It's a big IP. Um, and then you've got Games Workshop, of course, with their IP of Warhammer. Um, and I think that's your sci-fi covered. Yes, you've got Corvus mm-hmm. Belli with, you know, with Infinity and things like that, but may appear in the northeast of England. There might be some Infinity players, but I've not, you know, I've not, shall we say, seen much action in the gaming groups I've been to with Infinity. Um, But, you know, you see more people playing Warhammer and you see more people playing, you know, with with the FFG than you do those. Um, Fantasy is Age of Sigma big. Or is Mantic more taking that fantasy mantle with uh, Kings of War? You know,
2: I, I, I would ask if either of them are actually qualified as a war game.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh.
2: Wow, Jim.
1: Ouch. That's, no, that's... Ronnie, well, if you're he's... listening, I... I love you. I love uh, Kings of War, Mantic rocks. Ronnie, don't him.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah right there we go well let's add that in this game the opinions of, of a risk do not necessarily represent <laughs> yeah. the, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, look I've, 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 I've always resisted and kind of uh, my hackles have kind of raised up a little bit whenever somebody mentions that we're in the golden age of board gaming I've well, Never, I've, you know our
1: leader has mentioned that many a day, day.
2: I, uh, just, I, do I do not agree I do not agree at all. Now, if you specify it to, are we in the golden age of miniature wargaming? I would agree with that 100%.
1: Yes, yes. As far definitely.
2: as the golden age of gaming, no. Jeff, you know, um, I, I think, think it's the 70s stupid. and early
1: 80s were the golden age of wargaming. That was
2: the Hill. correct answer. That yeah. was the correct answer. Yes, mm-hmm. all the good. Right, well, all my favorite. <laughs> games, Be let me, let, me, let, me, let me quickly amend that. All my favorite games are from the uh, yeah are from the seventies the and, the, and the early eighties. By, by the mid, GW assault was like the last really big uh, mm-hmm. uh, game that I really super enjoy. I do like Battle Group. Uh, Battle Group is much more modern. Uh, I'm sorry, much more recent. Um, yeah. I do enjoy. I do. It is. It's, it's you know, I talk to people on the website, you know, people who know know, you know, as far as well, why why do you like battle group more than the other ones? I'm like, dude, trust me, okay. Um the, the list is, is like I too long to alphabetize, just trust me, it's, it's it's better. Um but it's I lost my train of thought now. Um I'm sorry, Ralph, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just
0: it's all you know. right, no, it's alright. I I, I I think what it is actually is it's twofold is I don't think we're in the golden age of miniature wargaming. We're in a decent age. I don't think it's the golden age. As Jim said, I think it's back in the 80s. I think what it is, is we are in a golden age of Dungeons & Dragons role-playing. That's where I think people are distincting or are, are getting mixed up. Because D&D, especially with the streaming things out there, the, the critical roles, the Wizards of the Course themselves doing their own streaming, Dungeons & Dragons streaming or role-playing streaming has taken off. and. D and D is as popular as ever. It's probably it's more popular now. I think with miniatures though, miniature gaming, you you it is it's growing, but as people have pointed out, I think there's a lot of consolidation with IPs with comfortable IPs. Let's let's right. be honest. Sci-fi and fantasy are comfortable. The right, one so I got, I, I got three, see. three pretty quick points. Um, number
2: one on Star Wars and how uh final uh, why uh, why uh ffg might be doing this is this is again a complete guess mm-hmm. uh i'm no i'm no industry insider i i always have like almost nothing to say when it comes to the news segment so i'm completely you know just taking a shot here but i would say that maybe one of the reasons ffg is doing so well with their uh their um star wars ip miniatures and tabletop games is because ea is doing so terrible <laughs> no yeah. They are. Right? yeah ea has ea bought lock Stock, and barrel they own the whole shebang when it comes to star wars video games and they are running it straight into the ground yeah. and so it's almost like if you want to play star wars you almost don't have a choice you have to pick up miniatures um i don't want to wish you know anyone ill but i'm i'm almost you know if it gets bought by somebody else or there's a change in the direction of EA or something like that. And star Wars video gaming becomes a big thing again. Um, is, is that going to maybe affect, uh, you know, FFG? who knows? Again, I'm, I'm totally spitballing here. Uh, so point number two is about, is about Mantic and about um, uh, Kings of war. The only one I, I should qualify what I was saying earlier, that the only version I saw was version one. I understand came camera was a second version and I, I, the game that I play when I want to play minute uh, fantasy, and I also use this for uh, American Revolution, believe it or not, is TSR talking about the, game, the Golden Age of Gaming, TSR's um, battle system that oh, they came there out you with. Go. Yeah, combat, that's D&D massive, massive back massive in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, I use second edition for that because I tried first edition and it didn't really work out for me. It's it's radically different. Second edition is really awesome. You can do a lot with it. Like I said, you can play D D with it. You can play. Battle of Huumberton, you know, in, in the American Revolution with it. I've, again, results are on the site. Um, so I can see where Mantic got or where Kings of War draws all of its inspiration. From. I'm like, oh, that rules from battle system, that rules from you know uh, Mantic does do one thing noticeably better, and that's how they handle the casualties. You know you, you take the whole block off the off the game at once. you don't take off individual miniaturists. It's an unrealistic way of handling the way mass, uh, medieval and ancient combat works. Let's face it. Fantasy gaming is nothing more than historical ancients and historical medieval with better special effects. That's really all fantasy yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so
3: yeah. fantasy. What's, yeah. I got I to get this out there before I forget. Who saw that Warlord's releasing a fantasy game? Uh, yeah.
1: I saw that. R- Rick Priestley. Is, um, yes, yeah. again, so that's, so, so that's... Is it going to be an old hammer? Are we seeing a revision of him <laughs> Oh, is
3: I don't it gonna,
0: actually is it going to be a derivative of? Is it going to be a, a make on his Gates of Antares rule set? Oh, I hope ah. not. I hope not. Ah. Drawing dice, you know, doing the dice, doing the warlord mechanic of drawing the dice, you know. Has to...
1: anybody played Gates of Antares?
0: Yeah, we, I played it at
1: Adapticon as a demo when it was uh, when we were filming. You know, when it was pre-release. It's mm-hmm. a nice game, but it just didn't grab me I, I felt like I was playing bolt action in space
0: that's what I heard it's, it was it is it's, it's bolt action in space it is i can I've got a copy of it I it's D-10. the start I think D10 instead of d sixes and in
1: in mm. the and the results I think were backwards you had to was that you roll under instead of over for your results or something? I don't know it just didn't for me Rick again, I apologize if you're listening um it's probably a great game. It just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, I think, Ralph, have you actually played it?
0: I, no, I haven't played it. I didn't play it. I, I picked it up. I was going to do a Gar and a Concordia Force and, mm-hmm. and you know. It, you I, I, I'll actually stand up from what you're
2: describing. I haven't played the game myself, but I'll actually stand up for the game. In it's defensive. What you're saying is true, whereas you always have to roll low. I always like that method better because, okay, your chance to do a certain thing, hit the enemy, make a rally, make a move over difficult terrain, whatever, whatever, whatever. Your, your chance is, you know, it's easy to understand. Okay, high number, I have a good chance. Low number, I have a poor chance. And then you have to roll on or under that number. That's how Dark Star is designed. I always find whenever I play like these five-up games, four-up games, Flames of War, bolt action, I, got, I have to take all the math and like reverse it in my head. With every single transaction, it's like, wait, I have a good chance? A good chance is a three-up. It's like you have to subtract a number from six to get a final result, and it's, I don't know, maybe I'm too old-fashioned. I like games (laughs) where you have to roll low. No, I'm serious. I like games where you have to roll low and get under a target number. Uh, That's all the old Faza games were back in the 70s. Uh, Back in the 80s, that's how Tech was. You know, it's all about rolling low.
1: Jim, you had a third point. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to...
2: The third point was super brief. I was gonna say I played a lot of D and D, believe it or not, back in the uh uh second edition Faco yeah. days. Those of you who the are second you know, edition was good, I think. It's the oh, best, yeah, edition oh, it's huge. best edition
1: ever.
2: We were talking about how, how you know uh D and D is like getting really popular. I'd say it's getting really popular again. Yeah. It was huge for oh, first oh, and second yeah. edition. It went through a huge slump with I guess fourth edition oh, it was fourth really bad. Edition is
0: fourth, terrible. fourth edition they had it had yeah. issues with fourth edition. Fifth okay. edition has just tightened it up completely, and it's it's streamlined. Um, it's also actually easier from what I've been watching. I, I, you know, I watch the d YouTube channel. And you've got the game designer Mike Mills is on there. Uh, Jeremy Crawford's on there, and Chris Perkins is on there as well. You know, these are the people that work for Wizards. Um, Mike Mills does his happy fun hour where he shows ca- uh, class design, and he okay. brings in classes. That will then be dropped into the unearth arcana which is their version of putting stuff out to play test to the community oh, yes. that, and then anything that that works in that will occasionally might end up in a book so a past couple of books they, that's where they've put their you know their the, these things that have been out of the community have now come back being tuned again and then put back out as, a, as an actual playable book um so yeah D is just i think it's just is is killing it streaming wise um but you know
2: it's definitely making a comeback i think i think it went through a rough patch in the late it's... 90s early 2000s but it's definitely coming out of the woods now oh, no, so, oh, i mean i used
1: definitely. to live in D&D <laughs> in the 80s um you know first edition second edition i mm-hmm. uh, every weekend i was playing that you know when we weren't playing i was designing you know scenarios for us to play the next module so yeah i i'm glad to see it coming back but i'm still a, a second edition person at heart I, I, it, yes, it's a little bit complicated, but it to me it really felt like your own world. So, um, Chris, you had something with your skirmishing, haven't you played it recently?
3: Yeah, we played recently. We played a, on a four by four table. How'd it go? And it went well. I got shot up real good. <laughs> who <What> are you <laughs> playing against? Uh, my son, uh, <laughs> who is uh, laughing at me probably right now. Because he's in the room right now. Um, Yeah, I uh, got shot up quite a bit. But what I was going to ask people is how much actual scenery do you put on the table? Because I started making a bunch of scenery. And I thought, okay, well, I've got enough scenery for a 4 by 4 table. And then I started looking at it. And I'm like, I don't think I have enough, like, small terrain pieces, you know, like, like a car or something on the side of the road. I think I need to add more.
1: So how many, because... how many firing lanes did you have? Did, did you have a lot mm. of open space? Yeah,
3: there, there was a fair bit of open space. Cause I got hit by uh, a UAZ with a 12.7 and like a 50 in the back. Oh. And I uh, almost lost one of my team members. Like I, the, the objective changed as soon as my, my uh, one team member got wounded and uh, I, then proceeded to try to get him out of there with the rest of the, the team I was with. But I was also outnumbered a little bit outgunned, I think, because I, I, I made my guys like tier one operators almost.
1: So why don't you and, a rundown of the scenario that you were going to I was just going to say,
2: where I mean, as far as like what kind of, do, how much, okay. How okay. much so, terrain do you put on the table? Are you in Palusia or are you in the Peshawar Islands? Those are okay. two
3: I did kind of uh, the outskirts of a village. So there was a few buildings, but mostly bushes, hedges, trees, woods, uh, some fencing walls, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm supposed to recover a down drone on the outskirts of this, uh, outskirts of this village. Okay. And I moved towards the village. I'm sneaking up and I got about, three turns into the game and I kind of got spotted and uh then everything started going wrong <laughs> <And> my, <laughs> uh, some of my die rolls were really bad uh, but uh yeah I I got to the drone got the drone started getting back and then I got hit hard by uh a, a 50 cal and uh So then I had the, the, to get the team member off the board and I spent the next maybe turn and a half getting him off the board, but I, I got a little bit lucky in that. I got into some woods and proceeded off the board at that point, but I could have been killed easily if my son had uh, used his vehicle just a little bit more aggressively. But uh, he just sat back and just started shooting at me. And if he had moved it up, I would have been. I think I would have lost everybody. I think.
1: So, what forces were you playing? Were you uh, nationality? I,
3: I was uh, playing Ukrainian special forces, okay. uh, trying to recover a down drone, okay. and versus DPR. So, I, I was using the DPR as um, militia out of the book. Okay so i was using them they, were, they weren't the greatest of troops but then i gave them i thought oh i'll give them the uaz with the heavy machine gun on the back of it and yeah i went downhill as soon as so how many uh,
1: minis did you put on the table
3: i had uh five okay he had
1: so a short squad it was
3: mm-hmm. yeah yeah fire team yep and uh i think alex had 16
1: okay plus a vehicle
3: Plus Obviously. the, vehicle. yeah, well, I and,
1: mean, and if, I, if yours were tier one, that, that, yeah, that ratio it, is about right. I mean, worked, I actually, I probably out. would have used even more militia if you're talking yeah. tier one with you know, I'm assuming top of the line gear, weapons, yeah. and yeah. these are only militia I, rated. So yeah,
3: I, I I have to say that I did pull it out, but I got shot up pretty bad. That that 50 cal, and I was kind of out in the open.
1: I'd say
3: I say, fire, caught. cover, and fire, fire and move. Yeah, you know. I got, I got caught. Did you use smoke, drink. Chris? Yes, I did.
2: Yes, I did. Yes, I, <laughs> I did. Yes, <laughs> smoke. Did someone watch Ariskini's videos from the bolt action boot camp? Fire <laughs> maneuver and smoke is your friend. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, I popped smoke as soon as I saw that UAZ driving up, <laughs> and I found that I was caught in that field. That that's bad rolling and just get caught in the bad situation. But I pulled it out. But it was a lot of fun.
1: That's good. Rules are really
3: fun. Uh, yeah.
1: So what kind of like? Do my you have question. Any, uh, like, light anti-armor, like a law or, you know, whatever? No.
3: No. Oh, okay.
2: Not. Well, no. the only vehicle he had, I, I couldn't remember. You said a UAZ? Yeah. It's so, a so, so, so yeah. that's yeah. a soft skin vehicle anyway. Yeah.
3: yeah, I had one uh, under uh, uh, the... Uh, the under uh, barrel grenade launcher. Okay. Um, and I got one round off on it. Um, but it didn't hit. So, but I, I got off the board. I did, I did pull it out at the end, but, uh, getting the, getting the team member off the board, uh, was fairly hard. (laughs) I had to use the cover a little bit more smart, but I, like I said, if he had used that UAZ a little more aggressively, I would have been, I would have been dead, I think.
2: Well, that UAZ gets too much closer to, uh, you know, a bunch of guys with the solar rifles. Right? That's coming at you know, Swiss cheese pretty quick, I would imagine. Yeah,
3: uh, He pulled so it up he behind... In, uh... Hey, I was really impressed. The kid pulled it up behind a wall and just started yeah. opening up on me. <laughs> there
1: you go. Nice. Well, uh, so, okay, so now that you've gotten a good game under your belt, what do you think of the rule set and... How did it make you feel? Did you feel involved in the game or is it just like I'm moving miniatures with the rule set?
3: No, I actually felt that I was a bit concerned with each member and what they could do. I felt like they were individuals, not uh, just miniatures. Nice. I felt felt that way. Um, I I think terrain is kind of key because I had the field that I got caught in way too big. Uh, there was n- if I put a tractor out in the middle of it, it would have probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but, it, uh,
1: to to Jim's point, you know, if you're modeling it after a region, yeah, some areas just don't have a lot of terrain. But you know, there are yeah. natural terrain features like a a a gully or you know a creek or a wadi or whatever. So yeah. you kind of put those in count. But sometimes it's just movement. How do I move under cover? You know, covering fire sometimes you have to cross an open field and it's just... Oh, like, yeah. It's you know, there you have to
2: do it. I mean, if it's a 4 by 4 table, you're a 28 millimeter. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming this is a, this is a, a true line-of-sight game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. So, yeah. So, I mean, the miniatures have to be in scale with the, with the terrain. Uh, I feel that too... I, to answer your earlier question, I usually feel that a lot of people put too much terrain on the table. Yeah. And uh, I think the function of that is... Did this this just me. You know, this might be another you know another edition of a risk and e, you know prize about twenty eight millimeter gaming. <laughs> is, um, you know people don't realize how small a twenty eight millimeter battlefield is. I mean these four by six tables that we were playing with at the Bolt Action Boot Camp. You know we we're talking about oh let's have tanks on the table. I'm like no let's go out and have a smoke. We went out to the smoke. Yeah. Uh, we went to the, the, the and and gee you've been there you know we we, we go to that parking lot yeah. that's out in front of the Bow Studio I'm like that's a six by four table a parking lot mm. you know it's seventy meters by you know I mean literally just I, I sat there and I and I paced it out like let's walk let's like one yard per pace this is an this an entire six by four table would fit in this parking lot you're gonna have six tanks in here duking it out in a parking lot I mean that's that's so as far as, like, you know, a four-by-four four table, that's going to be, what, uh, 200 feet on the side? You know, that's that's not a lot of terrain. You know, it's going to be, like, a couple trees, maybe a bush, and, like, one building, I, you know, unless you're, like, in a city. So, uh, again, yeah, that's, you know, oh, it would have been nice if I had more terrain out there to use. That's what smoke's for. You know, you literally create your own terrain. Um, is, is it I'm re- not saying it's… Sorry, Jim. I know. I just. I don't. I'm not saying it's easy because I've never played the game, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I I, th- I I just happen to feel that I'll, unless you're playing an urban combat, which for moderns is going to become more and more and more prevalent. Yeah. So, but if you're out in the countryside somewhere, um, honestly, I think a lot of people put, uh, if anything, too much terrain on a four uh, x four or four by six twenty mm
0: table. Is it because we fall into that trap? Because if you look at I'm gonna look at the beast of war tables because they do look nice, but they just seem to cram a lot of terrain on to do, you know, to to try and create those fire lanes so it doesn't become people throwing dice at each other. Which you know, if you don't have that, it just seems there's there's they you know they'll drop in a building, they'll drop in some you know some bushes and things like that, and especially in a desert, you know, their tables are.
2: The, the the tables of the boot camp were definitely thoughtful they mm-hmm. weren't like you know the, the warhammer 40k you know here's a bush here's a tree here's yeah. a hill you know um it, you know they were they were thought out and they were planned and they you know each table told a story mm-hmm. um for the western desert your average table should look like a pool table with a, with a like a canvas sheet over it or something you yeah. know so probably you know i would say that from a historical perspective the tables are way you know they have way way too much uh, stuff on them um, but from an artistic perspective or from a gaming perspective i think they've done a really great job because yeah they don't just load up terrain now some players will just look i bought this terrain it cost me a lot of money or i painted this terrain or i built this terrain damn it i want to use it and so before you know it they have these you know you're playing in the black forest you know as far as just like there's like fifty thousand trees on the table and you know it becomes a little too crowded if that's what you're going for, great. But um, yeah, I would just you know be a little wary of that. Yeah,
3: I um, I I have to say that the the realistic ranges are the best part of the game. Are they good? Mm. Oh, they were so good. Like if you could see somebody, you could shoot them. Yeah, it it, it oh, wasn't. Totally, yeah. it's not like twelve inches, twenty four inches thing. It's like you can see him, you can shoot at him. You know, you can hit them. Yeah,
2: yeah really... I, I have an assault. I have an assault rifle, and this whole table is two hundred feet long.
3: I got yeah. you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It was, it was really good. Yeah. Awesome. The interesting thing is because I've, I've, I've got I've had to play around and looked at them as well as what I quite enjoy doing, especially with it, is um, creating the fire team based around a the based around. Um, I've got a British uh, warrior. I've got a, yeah. uh, one. the yeah, Ebrus warriors. So I've created an eight man fusilier fire team. With the warrior for support, so that might be something to have a play around with. Because then you're talking, you know, you're talking a, an infantry fighting vehicle which can lay down a lot of fire. Um, and there's a lot of scenarios built around that as well with the dispatches books and the other yeah. stuff. Did you manage to get that? The, yeah, I, the I got it, books, uh, the scenarios.
3: I got the core rule book and mm-hmm. both dispatches, and I will mm-hmm. be adding to the next scenario a uh, BTR or something along, yeah. along those lines. Mm-hmm. But we played a small game because we had a couple hours, and it was really good. It was a lot of fun. Because
0: nice. yeah. one of the interesting scenarios in that in the core in the books is the sniper hunt, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting scenario from point. So it's uh, I think it's one up one off four sniper sniper and or sniper team against a patrol, and it's them hunting the sniper. And I think every turn you roll to see if you can spot where he is. And if you don't, then, you know, you're you're basically creeping through the the village to try and locate the sniper that's been attacking the forces.
3: Awesome.
0: That's that's a good one.
1: So uh, to kind of close out the show, the last thing I want to talk about is to go outside the miniatures realm of modern gaming and kind of circle back to RPG. Um, One of the things I did purchase over our little break was ghost ops uh the covert oh. operations rpg I'm a it's a good RPG. one so i guess this was a kickstarter um it was
0: i backed it on kickstarter
1: okay have you played it yet ralph
0: i haven't played it i want to play it i want to run it actually it's one of the things i'm thinking about for the new year you're hired the child... <laughs> <laughs> That was
1: fast. I mean, fast, wasn't it? Yeah. I think um, we no, do other, a, a
0: stream. I'm, what do you think? I was thinking possibly, yeah. I mean, what we might do is open it up to the Beast of War on Tabletop and the Sit Rep community and see if anybody else wants to join. And we'll try and arrange times. Me being in the UK and other people being worldwide, then we'll have to try and arrange some time. And it'll probably have to be at a weekend, I think. Just, Why don't we just because of. an all nighter, right? Oh, yeah. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell by my voice? I'm really happy about that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've done that um, when I was younger. um, We used to pull all night as role-playing. We did Star Trek role-playing game all night. The old FASA one. We did um, Freedom Force, which was uh, Avalon Hill, I think. It was some massive huge crazy role-playing game did twilight 2000 did moral project moral project as well but yeah i'm thinking about possibly running ghost stops i've got some ideas i've got some thoughts about it um because it plays in that tom clancy jason bourne sort of area so not necessarily modern modern per se as in modern conflicts but it plays within that dark Area that seems to be growing within the news and what's been going on worldwide yeah. it plays in those those gaps which so i is think is more
2: like, like modern battlefield combat
0: or more like modern espionage uh, it's more it's techno i would say it's techno thriller so it's very okay. tom clancy so it's very rainbow six so probably, okay jim is if rainbow you want to put it
1: uh, into perspective i just got the book the other day so i haven't had a chance to read it cover to cover but Skimming through it, it reminds me of uh the special section at CIA, the guys, that okay, the, you know the black op guys that go out and do those deeds that mm-hmm. we really don't want to know about.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's very techno thrillery. Tom Clancy it What's interesting is there was a demo game run, and I think it was a Gen Con, and the intro of the de- the intro of the demo game that did record it was a parachute jump, and they had min they had the different um like. 10,000, 5,000, you know, the, broken down into the, the feet. And oh. they had miniatures to signify where the players were, you know, for opening their parachutes. Uh-huh. And they were using miniatures for that. I think there was a supernatural element because when you looked at it, it looked like we were being attacked by uh, the vampire things from Conflict 47. But, <laughs> you know, there, there, it was just an interesting way of denoting we're going to be role-playing with mini- with some miniatures. He has the you know, the, the ranges of, you could you jumped out this parachute, so 15, 10, 5, 1, ground, you know, that type of thing. Nice. It's just a really interesting way of doing it. The other thing as well is if you get later into the book, they've got their own skirmish rules. It's only two or three pages. Yeah, I
1: feel that.
0: But they've created really some skirmish rules within there as well, which is, which is an interesting. So it's bringing in role-playing and wargaming together get us to use minis. But yes, it's something I'm thinking about for the new year. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I think uh this has to happen, Ralph. So this <laughs> it, I don't think this is a let's see. Let's
0: let's let's make it real. Yeah, let's it, make it, it happen. Sounds, it, it sounds like a let's make it happen. <laughs> let's yeah, so. make
1: it happen. That's really cool. We
0: will have we will have a chat off stream. Yes, about we will that. definitely uh
1: <laughs> try and coordinate something. That sounds really good. And then Jim, I think uh you and I are gonna have to play some Panzer Leader or Panzer Blitz or something uh on your web. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. We right.
2: will, we will, I, I will add you to the, uh, I will add you to the, to the um, schedule or Excellent. rotation or whatever.
1: Excellent.
0: So you'll have to put in a link to the stream, Jim, so people can. Yeah.
2: This, yeah. this web tool that I use has a record function. I'm going to have to try and play around with it and see
0: if I can record it. I um, and... would recommend Twitch, to be honest. I think Twitch, you're probably safe at because then you can create the VODs and you can then create a, jim's youtube channel yeah or use or use the setrap youtube channel.
1: yeah i think uh a twitch would be a good way to go um you know and you can always use obs to stream right to twitch so you can you you know mm-hmm. interface that with your uh software you're currently using um and you should be able to live stream from there so i mean there's many ways to do it obviously mm-hmm. you know if we can't figure it out lloydy could so yeah um
2: this is our second weekend doing it, so I'm, we're still in, like, the, 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 the baby steps phase of it. But uh, I tell you what, it's taken off a lot faster than I thought it was going to take Excellent. off. So.
1: Uh, you know, it, it just makes my heart happy to hear that there are people actually wanting to play old Hex Encounter games.
2: It's, you know, again, I, I, I keep I keep telling the story, but um, when on tabletop, Beasts of War came out with a project feature when Beast of War 2.0 first rolled out, I was like, "Oh, I should put something on there to be supportive or whatever." I have nothing going on with miniatures right now. Let me throw on some of this dark Star stuff. And before I know it, I mean, have you guys seen that project lately? We're, yes. we're getting ready. We're we're past seventeen hundred recommendations. Nice. I mean, it's absolutely
0: insane. There was and, a guy posted up um, um 3D prints, didn't he? He printed. There are there
2: are there are two child threads. One from LSR twenty five ninety and one from Bloodstrike up in Canada who is just cranking out 3d miniatures uh, for uh or 3d print miniatures you know he's making them himself uh, based on the stuff that's best posted in the game but um or posted in, the, in the, the parent project whatever you want to call it um but what i was the point of the story is you know i didn't think anyone was going to get into this because it is an old school 1980s the game takes four or five hours to play. You know, it's got these huge charts. It looks like Battletech in space. You know, it's an old school and people are just eating it up. And I think it harks back a little bit to what we were talking about previously, where, you know, when was the golden age of gaming? I'm not saying that we're ever going to be the, the majority, but there is a real appetite out there for games that don't fit on three sheets of paper or games that. Don't play in 45 minutes there are games that, you know, did come out last week on Kickstarter. These are games that, you know, have a real, you know, a real center of, of gravity to them. You know, you pick it up, you get done with it, you're like, holy crap, I just played a game. Um I think that there's going to be a. I mean, obviously, we'll always be the minority, but there's there. We're small, but we're fierce, you know. Right. So uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a uh, there's definitely a I want to say a market for, it, but there's there's definitely an audience for it, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: I think it's because of the fact is uh, a lot of new gamers have never seen, shall we say, it, that part of gaming. Yeah,
1: it's You know, new a,
0: a lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of the people that are coming new to gaming have never seen say, Advanced Squad Leader, even Battletech. Or oh, they might have seen Battletech on a PC, but they've never right. seen it on a table. They've um, seen Warrior, not Battletech. They've yeah. yeah, they've seen MechWarrior, yeah. not Battletech. Um, even though I've got the new Battletech game on the PC, which is really good. It reminds me of the tabletop game. Um But they have never played those games. They've never played in that environment. You know, um it's a little bit like uh, sort of linking in with the modern and stuff was when Warlord re-released well, uh, Osprey re-released It's because you know the re-released Castle Coldits, the old board game yep. got a re-release, didn't it?
1: I have that one, it's great
0: how, um, excellent game loved the game how many people bought that and that had never seen the original?
1: Uh, the, I never got uh, the original
0: I, I bought
1: it from research
0: yeah. I I used to have a copy of the original when it came out, so I'm showing Mage a little bit. Um so, you know, how many people have seen that or how many people have played uh an old the original version of Axe and Allies, which I've got sitting yeah. somewhere along, with Logan, you know. So there's there's this there's this been a resurgence of this type of gaming because people are just wanting to experience it. Yeah.
1: It it's almost the old adage, what is old is now new, you know, because it's yeah. it's come to a point in generations where their parents never played it, so they've never seen it. To them it's new, to us it's classic and it's mm-hmm. what we grew up on. So mm-hmm. excellent. Guys, that was a great show. Any last thoughts before we close out for the today?
2: Uh no, not really. No. It's so, been a great show. Great talk. Yeah. So
1: to everybody out there, we appreciate you chiming in and listening and make sure you comment. Uh, Follow us on the Facebook page at Rep Podcast. Um, We will also link, oh, I forgot to mention, you can find this podcast not only on the YouTube or on Beasts of War slash on Tabletop, but we're also on Google Podcasts and in Apple Music. So the podcast has been published on those as well. So you can get on all those formats. Uh, which is rather it's, uh, oh, the
0: old episodes, because we've had a couple of people asking, haven't we about ep- all the previous episodes, like episode one and stuff.
1: So I will have to go back and upload the old episodes. Um, I will try and do that this weekend. I might have some downtime where I can catch up on those. Um, so we will definitely get those up there, but you sh- can find us on many different platforms. And obviously you can find us on Podbean. That's our home hosting site. So uh, until the next time for Chris, Ralph, Jim, I'm G. We're going to RTB, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.